All right, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up two passages this morning and just find your place there, hold on to it, uh, and we'll come to our passage in just a moment. We're, today, I want to conclude this kind of series within a series. We're talking about overcoming discouragement um, and uh, so that we can live the victorious Christian life. Let me tell you a story. I told you one last week. Let me tell you another story about discouragement. It happened in 1940. Major General Richard O'Connor... Uh, of the British forces in World War II attacked the Italian army. The Italian army had stationed itself in Egypt. But what's so extraordinary about um, this particular uh, battle is that the British were far outnumbered. They had comparatively few troops uh, next to the Italians who had over 250,000 men stationed there in Egypt. But O'Connor attacked anyway. And as a result of this battle, he had, he had fewer than 2,000 casualties, which was really unheard of given the, the disproportionate uh, amount of men fighting the Italians. And in the process, uh, the British destroyed 10 Italian divisions. They took 170,000 prisoners. They captured 400 tanks, 850 guns. It's considered in military history one of the most remarkable uh, battles uh, of all time. But they said the decisive factor in the Italian loss was simply their low morale. They far outmanned the British troops, but their morale was so low. And the reason their morale was so low is because they were unhappy. These soldiers were unhappy that they had aligned, their nation had aligned itself with Hitler. Not only were they unhappy about being aligned with Hitler, they were also unhappy with their leader, Mussolini, uh, who uh, they also were not willing to die for. And so at a strategic point in this battle, instead of standing and fighting against the British troops, they essentially cut and ran. And history records that the key factor in the Italian loss was simply one thing, discouragement. Not manpower, not artillery, none of those things. They had plenty of that. The problem was they were discouraged, and so they cut and ran. Now, I have to tell you, as history goes, I'm glad they were defeated. But it does illustrate the effects of discouragement and the consequences of discouragement uh, on our lives. And so in this third message on victory over discouragement, I want to talk with you about uh, ultimately how we can have conquest, how we can have that kind of victory. Now, every one of us have times and seasons of discouragement. But in the two passages that I want us to look at this morning, I want us to find what Paul writes, Romans, the passage, the base passage we've been operating out of, and then 2 Corinthians 4, some what I believe are really encouraging, overcoming kinds of truth. If you're physically able to do so, why don't you stand with me this morning as we read two places. We're going to break in back into our path. We've read uh, um, Romans 8 uh, the past two weeks. I'm just going to read one verse out of the same passage, verse 37. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who uh, loved us. Now Paul again is talking there about um, all the things that come at us and then he says, but no matter what comes at us, we are more than conquerors. I told you last week, that phrase in the Greek means we are super conquerors uh, in Christ Jesus. Okay, All these discouraging things that come, and yet he says, in spite of them, we are conquerors. Then if you'll go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, three verses there that I want us to look at, beginning in verse 16. 
So we do not lose heart. Now Paul is talking in response to some things that they've been facing, some very discouraging things. And so he says in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Uh, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now look this way for just a second before we pray. When Paul writes this, he said, we don't lose heart. You know what discouragement is? It's a loss of heart. It's when you just kind of lose the will to go on or you have no real motive to go on. He says, it doesn't matter what's going on out there or what's coming at us. We don't lose heart. Even though we're, our outer bodies are decaying, our inner man is being strengthened. Why? Because of what's going on? No, because of our dependence on Christ. And then he calls it light momentary affliction. Now listen, over the past two weeks I've talked to you about uh, the, how, how perspective changes everything. So what Paul is doing to encourage us both here and both in Romans 8 when he says we're more than conquerors, he said, I want to give you the right perspective so that the things that tend to break us down, the things that tend to discourage us, uh, uh, will not do that because our perspective is based on what God has said. Now let me ask you a question before we pray. How many of you believe that the Word of God can change your life. How many of you believe? If you, do, if you believe that, hold your hand up. I believe that the Word of God can change my life. Okay, it can. I, I, I want you to ask the Lord in just a moment when we pray to use it today to change your life in some way. Now, what is, what is the key to the Word of God changing your life? Two things. Hearing it, and by the way, when the Bible says, Jesus said uh, be, uh, that... that um, that we're to use our ears to hear, but hear more than just sounds. We're to use them to hear truth, and that truth is to go down. And then the second key is obedience. So it's one thing to hear it, I mean really hear it, where it doesn't go in here and come out here. The second thing is that we turn around and say, okay, God, I heard you. Implied in hearing God is that we obey Him. Okay? So when we pray right now, I want you to do something. I want you to ask God, to help you to have spiritual ears so that you will hear what he says to you and he will speak to you because we just confess we believe he uses his word to change our life and so you ask him lord would you speak to me and then would you tell him and lord when you speak to me i will obey what you say father thank you for your word and we do want you to use it to speak to us because we believe it changes everything Lord, help us amidst so many, uh, of so many voices in the world to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. So speak with us now, this morning. Transform us and change us, God, and cause us to obey what you say. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4... I gave you a little background in the past on Romans 8, but in 2 Corinthians 4, this is another passage where Paul is speaking of the difficulties of life. You know, the things that, uh, that tend to discourage us or uh, create despair in life. He's speaking about these things, and, and particularly he's talking about some of the things that come at us that make it hard for us to live and follow Christ. Uh, in fact, uh, in verses 4 through 10 of that same chapter, Paul writes this. Listen, he says, we are afflicted in every way, 
but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to, listen, despair. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Now, if you read verses 4 to 10, you might say, well, that's not the most encouraging message to read, that we're, we're always carrying around death in our, our, ourselves, the death of Christ, that, that we're uh, uh, perplexed, that we are driven to despair, that we are persecuted, that, that we're struck down. He said these are the characteristics that they were facing. He was facing them, Timothy was facing them, Titus was facing them, and all of these believers, these are the things. But then he adds, but, but, we do not lose heart. In other words, we, even though these things tend, did you notice he said to drive us to despair? He says, but we don't lose heart. Why? Because those aren't the things that we keep our eyes on. In fact, he said in the passage that we read that uh, those things that you can see around you, you know the things that tend to, to cause you to despair. And He said those things are transient. That means they're passing away. They're here and they're gone. They're not going to last forever. But he said here's how we uh, stay encouraged. We don't lose heart because we, we look toward the things that are not seen. In other words, we're looking toward the heavenly. We're looking toward the eternal things. We know that whatever happens in this life is really not the whole story. In fact, this is not the end. And so, but if we look at this life as this is it, man, this is the best it gets, and so the best we can have it here makes it uh, uh, the best for us, we're missing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, he said, there's too much stuff here to create distraction and despair and depression and discouragement. So we have learned to put our eyes on the eternal, to look forward to what God has for us. And so what he's saying is that we have a, perspective that is different from the perspective of the world now if you want to stay encouraged you're probably going to have to change your perspective a lot of times in those seasons in particular now your perspective how is it determined essentially it's determined by two things it's determined by sources what sources are you listening to that means the voices now would you agree with this statement there are a lot of voices in the world around you there are a lot of things that are, yeah, there are voices. In fact, we've gotten so used to so many voices that sometimes we don't realize what's actually speaking into our lives. There are a lot of voices out there. And, and I want to tell you, that doesn't mean all voices out there are wrong, but it does t- remind us that we need to be careful about what we're listening to, right? And so our perspective is shaped by by voices and there's so many opinions in our world today there's so many opinions this and this and this and this and all of them form these voices that come at us so we have to be careful now what voice should we be listening to well I know you know the answer to that it is God's voice where do you get God's voice you get God's voice from God's word that's why you need to stay in this book if you want the accurate voice for life and for eternity, you got to stay in this book. This is where God will, will uh, help you understand His way and His ways and, and His voice. Another thing that affects your perspective is not just your sources, it is your sight. That is what you focus on. And again, he reiterates that here, that he says our perspective, our focus, our sight is on that which is eternal, not which, uh, that which is passing away or that which is temporal. So you have a choice how you're going to live your life. That's why the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by our sight. Our sight tends to, uh, to discourage us. 
Uh, right now, by the way, there are plenty of things if you put your eyes on out there that you'll just come away completely dis- depressed and discouraged, right? Yesterday, for the first time, I'm, I am 62. and So I've been driving a long time. Yesterday, for the first time in my driving life, I was down to a quarter of a tank of gas. Well, that's not the first time I've been down to a quarter of a tank of gas in my life. But I had a quarter of a tank of gas. I filled my car up. $101.89 for three quarters of a tank of gas. I've been depressed ever since. You, you understand what I'm saying? Man, if you look out there, I mean, you're going to get discouraged and everything. That's why, that's why we say God is my supply. God is my help. You know, so your, your perspective is determined by your sources and your sight. Now, discouragement, I hadn't said this, I don't think, in the, the past two minutes, but I, I, I need to say this. Discouragement itself is not a sin. You understand that? Discour- being discouraged is not a sin. But you need to understand it is a weapon that the devil uses to undermine God's work in your life and God's work through your life. Now, over the last couple of weeks, um, we talked about Uh, some causes of discouragement, and then some comforts for the discouraged. And let me just review those real quick, okay? Y'all, you listen, it's already on your outline there, but uh, two weeks ago, uh, we talked about the causes of discouragement, and I gave you three of those. I said accusations, sometimes even valid accusations can still bring discouragement, but mostly unfair or untrue accusations have a way of discouraging us. Then we said tribulation tribulations and that's really kind of a broader category i think under all three of these you can um you can put most of what we would consider the things that discourage us um tribulation then we talked about separation that is this idea and the devil uses this big time when you're discouraged to make you feel like you're alone um that we're we're separated from god paul uh, reminds us that there's nothing that can separate us from God. Then last week I talked about some comforts for the discouraged. If you're discouraged, here's some things that will bring comfort to us that Paul talks about in Romans 8, that in Christ there's safety. We are safe in Him. He is a fortress to us, the Bible tells. We talked about in Christ there is supply. He is sufficient for us. That means He has everything we need. And the implication of that uh, passage is both in this life and the life to come. And then we talked about our security that comes in Christ. We are secure in Him. Our security is not in the world. Our security is not in things that are passing away. Again, 2 Corinthians, he says, we don't look to these things because they're transient. They're going to pass away. We keep our eyes on Christ. That's where our security is. And so we have the causes for discouragement. We've talked about the comforts for the discouraged. And today I want to show you, last, the the conquest of discouragement. I want to notice, I want you to notice five passages in the book of Romans, since that's where we based our our study out of. I want you to notice five passages in this book that give you a pathway to victory in the season of despair and depression and discouragement. Five things that we should remember. First of all, remember this, remember the promises of God to you. If you want to overcome, if you want to have victory over Uh, uh, discouragement you have to remember the promises of God in Romans 8 verses 18 and 19 Paul says for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory see that's perspective again that is to be revealed for us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God remember the promises in in Paul's writings uh, here in the 
passage that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, as well as in 2 Corinthians, what we notice is this, uh, this kind of promise response from God in these uh, seasons and, well, really in all of life. And so when you're discouraged, you need to hang on to the promises of God. I like what Bible teacher Warren Wiersbe said one time. He said, we live by God's promises, not by God's explanations. Do you get that? That's a great thought. We live by God's promises, not by God's explanations. You see, sometimes we say, well, I could trust God in this season that I'm going through if He would just explain what's going on. But that's not how we live. We live by the promises of God. What has God said to us? I have a couple of promises that God has given me that I am hanging on to. And there are times in this particular area uh, where I get uh, discouraged. And when I do, guess what I do? I go back to the promise that God has given me. I go back to that promise and I, I read that promise and I hold on to that promise. And guess what? It encourages my heart because I say, wait a minute, this is what God has said. Go back to the promises of God. And it's one of the reasons you need to stay in the Word of God because that's where the promises of God are going to be found. There was a, 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 a Bible scholar some years ago who did a study of the promises in the Bible. And here's what he discovered, that there were 8,810 promises in the Bible. And he said of that 8,810 110 promises, 7,487 of those promises were from God to us. In other words, 85% of the promises that are found in Scripture are, are directed from God to us. I want to tell you something. That's a lot of promises of God for you and me, isn't it? So how do you know what these promises are? You know what they are by staying in His Word. If you stay, stay in His Word, guess what? You're going you're gonna to discover these promises and these truths along the way. And guess what? When God gives you a promise, He has given it to you. Hang on to it. Write it down. Mark it. Keep it. And remember and go back and look at it when God gives you a promise. Our problem is the reason we forget the promises of God is because we live in such an instant society. And so we expect that when God gives us a promise that He'll do it tomorrow. And that's rarely the case. He can and has and sometimes does, but rarely does God go, okay, I've given you this promise, and before the day is out, it's going to happen. Usually when God gives us a promise, He says, here's the promise, here's what I'm doing. I hang on to this and wait for it. And so you stay in His Word. I had, uh, you know, we're reading through the Bible this year, and uh, I hope you, you're part of that. And I've had people say to me, Pastor... I'm so far behind, I probably just don't think I can do it. I tell them, don't quit. Keep reading. It doesn't matter. Look, there's no rule. You don't get thrown out of heaven or out of the kingdom of God if it takes you a, a year and a half to read it or two years. You don't have to, you know, you're, we're not going to be checking your notebook to see, oh, you're way behind. or you have. Just keep reading, okay? If you're behind, keep going. You'll eventually get there. But in the reading process, guess what happens? You'll start getting, you, you'll see, promises for God. I had, a, I had a, a person tell me this past week, they said, you know, I've been reading through the Bible uh, like we're trying to do and said, I came across these two promises and I saw them and I thought, the last time I read in this passage, they were not there. 
Have you ever had that happen? You're reading, and all of a sudden you'll say, wow, that just jumped off the page. That promise from God. God just spoke to me. That's exactly what happened. God just spoke to you. He didn't put something new in the Script, but it feels like it doesn't because your eyes have not seen that. Your, your spirit hasn't, hasn't witnessed with, uh, that before. And so suddenly you see it, and you go, wow, that's for me. Guess what? God's doing that on purpose. God's doing that on purpose. He's doing it. But you got to stay in the book, you know. you got to stay in the book so that you get the right stuff from God. And, you know, I, I would tell you that that means you got to be careful. You Stay there faithfully. Make it a part of your walk with God. A lot of people, what they want to do is say, man, I need a word from God real quick. I need a promise from God. I got something. God, speak to me. And, and they just, they, like one guy, they flip over in the Bible and they, they read it and and he, he looks at it and said, well, God, I don't know if I want that verse. It says Judas went out and hanged himself. So they flip over to another passage and say, well, okay, God, speak. And uh, they read the verse that says, go you and do likewise. They say, well, I, I don't like that one either. And, and they turn over to another place and put their finger on a verse and land on the verse that says, whatsoever you do, do quickly. Well, sometimes that's how we are. We kind of just say, God, I just... But let me tell you how to really hear... Have a system of getting in the Word of God so you're, you're consistently in the Word of God. And guess what? You'll be amazed that God will speak. And He'll speak right into your circumstance and right into your situation. And He'll encourage you because what? You're looking at the eternal Word of God. The grass fades, uh, the flower fades, the grass... Uh, 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 withers but the word of our God stands forever everything else will pass away but the word of our God stands forever and so when you look into the book guess what you're getting you're getting his truth you'll get his promises for you when we're discouraged God's promises they help us say why how they provide peace when I get discouraged about some things that I'm waiting on God for guess what guess what I go to the promise I go to the promise. And you know what it does? It provides me with peace. It settles, it settles my soul. You know what uh, the promises of God do? They inspire us to wait. I, I can wait because I've got the promise. And so I say, oh yeah, yeah God, I can wait. I can wait. I can wait. They, they shape my perspective on life. Oh yeah, Lord, this, I, I, I'd forgotten the promise the promise shapes my perspective for my life and my future. If you're discouraged today, stay in God's Word. And when He speaks to you, claim the promise of God. They are yours in Christ. Here's the second thing I want you to see this morning. Remember the plans of God for you. You want to have victory over discouragement? God has some plans for you. You are not an accident here. Romans 8.28 tells us that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to uh, His purpose. You know what that's, that's talking about? It's talking about God's plans. You know, God has the capacity to take the things that create discouragement and say, I'm going to use them to bring encouragement in your life. It didn't say all things are good. We have to be careful there because sometimes that we think, you know, I've heard people say it before. Well, you know, the Bible says all things are good. Even bad things are good because God uses them. That's not what Paul said. What Paul said was, God can take all things and make them work out for good. 
Why? Because you see, God's got this plan, and you are a part of the plan. You exist on this planet because you're a part of the plan that God has. God put you here. God wasn't bored and said, I think I'll just create people. He created you, and He created all of us uniquely different. Look around this room. We're all different. That's a good thing. A better way to say it is, that's a God thing. God created you uniquely and with unique purposes for the kingdom of God. Billy Graham said this. He said, scores of people write to our office every week. People who feel that life has ceased to be worth living. I have good news, he says. God did not create you to be a defeated, discouraged, frustrated, wandering soul seeking in vain for peace of heart and peace of mind. God has bigger plans for you. He has a larger world and a greater life for you. Listen, when you're discouraged, remember that you are not a product to random chance. You're not an accident. When you're discouraged, remember God created you. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not some, some accident. If you listen to the wrong voices, your perspective, however, will be warped about that. Because the voices so often in our world today say you are here by accident. You are just the survival of the fittest. You're the product of uh, amino acids bumping into each other in some prehistoric protoplasmic soup, getting struck by lightning and out crawls a tadpole. And then eventually gets wings, eventually gets legs, becomes a hybrid, climbs a tree, starts hanging by its feathers and they turn it into a tail and they call it a monkey. I mean, it's that really, that's an oversimplification, I know, but it's that bizarre, people. And then, as one man said, you go from, from goo to you by way of the zoo. Listen, if you believe that, if you believe that, life has no meaning. You have no reason for being here. If you believe that, you ought to leave here discouraged today. Say, I'm just a product of these amino acids that got struck by lightning. It just took me a long time to get here. But if you understand what the Bible says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And by the way, when the Bible uses that terminology, it, the, the idea in the language of the Scripture is you are a carefully crafted mosaic of God. Have y'all ever seen a um, tapestry? Have you ever seen a tapestry, you know, a handcrafted tapestry? If you look at the tapestry from the backside, you know what it looks like? It looks like there was an explosion in a thread factory. I mean, there are thread, colored threads everywhere, and you can't figure out what those threads are. If you look at it from the back, but if you look at that tapestry on the front, you go, oh, that's incredible. The picture that's woven in there. Do you know the Bible says that you are God's tapestry? That's why you've got to have the right perspective. Because if you, you see your life from the backside, you'll think, man, I'm just a product of random threads. But if you see that God crafted you, He put all those dimensions together, and you see yourself from God's viewpoint, you become this beautiful, incredible tapestry that He is. That's why... That's why we have to see our lives with the purpose for which God has created us. Write these four things down real quick. Number one, write down the plans of God for you, for you personally, are providential. That means they existed before you did. 
They are purposeful. The plans of God give your earthly life meaning and eventually bring reward in heaven. The plans of God, number three, are personal. They are tailor-made for you by God. That's why never try to be somebody else. Be you for God, all of you for God, because the plans of God are tailor-made for you. And then they are permanent. God's plans for you do not change. Uh, And they will never change between here and heaven. That's why it's so important to live out of that purpose. That's where life is most fulfilling. Romans chapter 11, just a few chapters over from where we've been, and verse 29 says uh, to us that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That means they don't change. So what God, the way God designs you, the plan God has for you, the uh, calling God created you for, all of that is irrevocable. God doesn't change that between here and heaven. That's why Jeremiah the prophet, God told Jeremiah the prophet, before I formed you in the womb, before you existed physically, you existed in the heart and mind of God. And he said, before I formed you in the womb, I created you and set you apart with a purpose and plans. Wow, that's the truth for all of us. If you're discouraged today, remember that your life matters to God, that he has a plan for you, and that plan is irrevocable. Then here's the third thing to remember. Remember the passion of God for you. You want victory over discouragement? Remember how much God loves you. Romans 8, 31 in our chapter here says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul's words leading up to those verses are essentially saying to us that no matter what happens in your life, the passion of God for you never changes It never changes. God never doesn't love you. You may say, well, I've done so much stuff to keep God from loving you. Here's the good news. God doesn't love you because of the stuff you've done either for or against Him. Now, that doesn't mean God's happy with that stuff, but it doesn't change His love for you. He loves you. G.K. Chesterton once said that there's a great lesson from... uh, Beauty and the Beast. How many of you have seen the movie Beauty and the Beast? You've seen that before, so you know the the story. And Chesterton said there's a great lesson. Here's a lesson he said, is that a thing must be loved before it is lovable. He said that's a great lesson of that. A person must be loved before that person can be lovable. And some of the most discouraged people are, are discouraged because they live with the thought that nobody loves them. There may be those watching by live stream or in this live audience, and and you have trouble believing that, that anybody could love you. But the fact is, God loves us. God loves us, period. And He doesn't love us because we are lovable. You see, God loved you before you were whatever you might call lovable. The fact is, you are lovable because He loves you. Does that make sense? You're lovable because He loves you. And He loved you before uh, you were right with Him. He loved you when you were in a state of darkness and rebellion with Him. But He loved you. He loved you still. And if there's any one thing that Romans 8 teaches us, it is that God is for us. And that God is on our side. And that because He is for us, He loves us, and He loves us because He is for us. And we love Him not because we've decided to love Him, but because the Bible says He first loved us. 
And so when you go out, you know, one of the great things you can do, you can, you can say, you know what, God just loves me. You can walk out of here, and you can, you can know this, even in your rebellion, God doesn't want you to live in rebellion to Him, but God doesn't stop loving you. And because God loves you, He'll never abandon you. The world might leave you. The world does leave us. But God will never leave us. He said He will never abandon us. And that means even when you are in the fire, you know, the discouraging time, God doesn't leave you. And the Bible says because He doesn't leave us, He'll make a way for us. You may not see the way. Maybe right now, you don't see what God is up to. You don't see the way. But God does, and God will take you through the sea, and God will take you through the wilderness, the Bible says. He'll make a way where there is no way. The idea there is you can't see a way. You have no idea of how you're going to make it through, but God already knows. And God has already made a way. Trust Him and walk with Him. And then He will provide for you. Why? Because He loves you. He knows your every need and He has everything you need for all of your needs. And that means both uh, now and in eternity. And so remember, when you you walk out of here today, you can walk out of here in confidence saying, look, I, I belong to God. If you do and if you don't, you ought to. And you should before you leave this place. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a few minutes to to call on Him. But friend, you ought to be able to walk out and say, I'm a child of God. Because I'm a child of God, I'm loved. And I'm not loved because I'm worth loving. I'm loved in spite of who I am. That's agape love. That's unconditional love of God. So you can walk out and say, I'm a child of the King. I'm loved by God. The Creator of the universe, the Creator of the universe loves me. It might, you say, well, gosh, that sounds kind of arrogant. Well, I, look, it, Paul said, if I'm going to boast in anything, I'm going to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our daughter is named Karis. You know that. Most of you know that. Karis, K-A-R-I-S. I literally translated her name from the Greek alphabet, Kappa, uh, Alpha, Rho, Iota, Sigma. Karis, the Greek alphabet, because the word means grace or God's gift and when she was born we we named her on purpose we didn't go well that's a trendy name because it's not and but we wanted her to grow up and know that that God put here her here on purpose now when she was young she didn't quite understand that but we were trying to teach her that and when she was you know in the first or second grade that they call her name out and and on a couple occasions, she had either parents at parent meetings or teachers who'd say, Karis, that's, a, that's, a, that's an unusual name. And my, our daughter would go, because we were trying to teach her, she would go, she'd put her hands on her hip and say, it means I'm God's gift. <laughs> she still thinks that too, but, um, but she had the right idea we had to help humble her down a little bit to understand that you know this isn't like I'm God's gift and you're not but we wanted to understand that so that she could live her life knowing that hey you're here because God put you here you are a gift from God now listen when you walk out of here you literally can say you're not named Karis but you can walk out of here and say I am a gift from God. I'm a gift from God for the purpose of God. Not to, to rub it in somebody's face, but I'm, I'm a, if you know Christ, if you don't, you can become a part of His family today. But, so when you walk out, you're not walking out saying, in your face. 
You're just saying, I'm boasting in Jesus Christ. Look what he's done. I am a child of God. And I'll tell you something. That's pretty encouraging when you think about it. Let me hurry on. Number four, remember the presence of God with you. You want to have victory over discouragement? Paul writes and says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's talking about, again, the presence. The the love of Christ enables uh, us to experience the presence of Christ. Dr. Tony Evans said this, he said, It often takes the darkness of a storm to show us the light of God's presence. That tribulation or accusations, or whatever it is that has discouraged you, the storm itself is a wonderful way of moving us toward the light of God's presence. Now, I talked earlier about the promises of God. Well, these verses in 38 and 39 are a kind of promise that Paul gives to us uh, to help encourage us by saying, look, look, remember this, hang on to this, the presence of God is with you no matter what comes, whether it's death or life or, or the rulers or uh, the things in this present life or the, the things coming, powers, heights, depths, anything in all creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is, that is a kind of promise from God to reassure us so that the things that get us down don't have to keep us down because we're encouraged when we know look look nothing can nothing can remove us from the love of Christ nothing can remove us from his his presence as I noted earlier the love of God for you uh, is what provides his presence uh, with you and no matter what but but maybe maybe you're here or you're watching today and you've wandered away from God he hasn't wandered from you. You say, well, if I can't separate. Well, look, there are a lot of people who feel like, well, God's not near me. The fact is, God is near, but you've wandered from the, the manifestation of His presence in your life. And you wonder, does He still love me? You, you wonder, does He still know who I am? Well, the answer is, yes, He still knows who you are. Yes, He knows where you, where you are. You may think you've wandered off from Him, but He's still there. You've just lost a sense of His presence because you've been walking a course that is not the course He created you to walk. But let me tell you good news. There's a story called the prodigal son. You ever read the prodigal son? The prodigal son is a rich story to remind us that no, fa- no matter what we do, we, you can't separate the love of the Father. And even if you've, you've taken a path that you know is not the path God wants you, you say, well, God would never, you know, He would never, um, he would never accept me back in uh, to, the, to the family. You never actually got out of the family if you were in it. You're just acting like it. And He would say, come back. Come back. The prodigal father was standing there waiting. Do you remember the story? The son said, well, I'll go back and I'll just be the hired hand for my, my, my father. Maybe he can at least pay me or at least I can eat, you know, and survive. But he comes back and his father's saying, I love you. I've never stopped loving you. I've always been here waiting for you. 
waiting for you. And you know what? You may say, well, that's kind of how I am. Well, today you need to know something. He still loves you. He still knows who you are. It's time to turn your eyes away from the world and away from that behavior that has caused you to, to lose the sense of the presence of God and turn your life and turn your mind and turn your eyes and turn your heart back toward Him. There was an, uh, an article in Wired magazine that reported that dolphins use names to call each other. I clipped it several years ago when I read it, and it says, when the, within the first year, a dolphin develops a unique signature whistle, which is the equivalent of its name. And it uses this whistle to identify itself to other dolphins. Now, I've heard dolphins whistle, and they all sound the same to me. But they say the study shows that this is a unique kind of whistle, and they can whistle, and their, their whistle is like their name. And um, it uses that to identify itself to others. And adult dolphins are adept at copying the cries of other dolphins as if calling them by name. And so not only do they know their own whistle, they know their dolphin buddy's whistle. And so they can use that to call their other, these other dolphins. And this fact is backed up by research uh, in Scotland. And that research concluded that dolphins respond when another dolphin calls their name with their whistle. An American research study concluded that dolphins recognize other dolphins, listen, even if they've lost contact many years previously. In fact, one experiment proved that these dolphins could still remember each other's whistle or name even after being apart from each other for as much as 20 years. Isn't that incredible? Well, I want to tell you something. God never forgot your name. No matter how long you have, uh, you have uh, walked a path away from His, His uh, manifest presence, God still knows your name. He still knows who you are. He still knows where you are. David said it this way in Psalm 139. He said, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall uphold me. There's nowhere where you can go that God isn't. Max Lucado said, you'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And then he asked, are you in the wilderness? If so, find refuge in the presence of of God. A.W. Tozer said, nothing bothers the devil more than Christians who are living and delighting in the presence of God. Are you discouraged today? You discouraged? The psalmist said, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed of spirit. So one last thing, though, I want you to see this morning. That is, if you want victory over discouragement, remember the power of God within you. Romans 15, 13. The power of God within you. May the God of hope, Paul writes, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You know, when you're discouraged, what do you need? You know what you need? You need hope, don't you? You need peace when you're discouraged. You need joy when you're discouraged. And Paul says that joy, peace, and hope are all connected to the, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But we have to be in the right position. We have to be in the position 
And we have to have turned ourselves in such a manner that the Holy Spirit can direct us and we can hear the voice of God through His Word by the author, the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, Reader's Digest carried an article about a, um, a new technology that was developed called hypersonic sound. It was developed by uh, an engineer named Elwood Woody Norris. And essentially what he did is he developed a technology that could direct sound waves like a laser beam. You know, a laser beam, you point it, it's, it doesn't go all over here. It goes wherever it's pointed directly. Well, he developed this technology that could take sound waves and he could direct them uh, specifically at a target as far as like 150 yards away. Uh, let me tell you, let me explain how that would work. So if you're 150 yards away and he directs sound towards you, what he would do is, let's say he's playing a song and he's playing and he's directing the sound waves towards you. You could be 150 yards out. You could hear every word of the sound. You don't have headphones or any of that. You can hear the sound coming to you, but because it's directed sound waves directed at you, you're the object. It would be only you that heard it, and you could have people standing right next to you who couldn't hear a thing. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I don't know where the technology has gone, gone since then and what, what they do with it now, but I want to tell you God's communication with us is very similar to those kinds of directed sound waves. And we have to be at the right place to hear the Holy Spirit. When we're there, then the message is clear. But if we move away from the directed path of God, then His voice becomes confusing. Or, or we become unaware of the fact that He's communi communicating with us. And here's the result of that. We miss out on His peace. We miss out on the joy that comes and the hope that is ours. So I want to ask you this morning, if you're discouraged today, are you in the right place? Are you in position to hear and experience the directed communication, the directed power of the Spirit of God speaking to you? Or are you kind of scattered? Has discouragement confused your heart, caused you to forget God's promises to you? Has it caused you to forget the fact that you were created with a plan? You're a part of the kingdom plan of God. Are you confused about how much He loves you, His passion for you? He really does love you. Are you confused about uh, experience the presence of the Spirit of God with you or the power of God for you? Listen, Billy Graham said it best. He said, you will never be free from discouragement and despondency until you have been tuned into God. Because Christ is the fountainhead of joy. You'll never be free of discouragement and despondency if you're not tuned in to God. The power of the Spirit, the purpose of God, the presence of the Spirit of God, all of these things you, we must remember so that discouragement doesn't take us down. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that your word is so rich and gives us so much truth. It helps us, God, to understand what it means, Father, to live encouraged, to live with peace and hope and joy. I pray for any of those who are watching us, listening to us by radio, those in this live audience that today, Father, if they're discouraged, would you encourage them with these truths that bring victory to their life? And Father, for any that are listening today that have never put their trust in you, 
I pray that today they will call on you. Just as your word says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, I pray for uh, any in this place today and who are watching, who need a family to belong to. Lord, they do. Encourage their hearts that they found a place. Lord, for those who have wandered off like a prodigal, you've never left, but they just... They don't see you because, Father, their eyes have been headed the wrong way. Turn their eyes and their hearts back toward you and call them back to your side today, we pray. Would you speak in these moments before we're gone? Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me for our invitation? Not going to be here much longer, but this is important time. Don't be worrying about where you're going to eat or what you're going to eat or all that kind of stuff right now. You, you just focus in. What is God saying to you? In just a moment, when Bradley begins to sing, would you slip out? And I want to encourage you to do one of several things. If you need Christ as your Savior, would you come today? We'll pray with you and help you make that decision. It's not about being religious. It's not about being a Baptist.